Okay, welcome to Sports and Songs. Here we'll just go over uh, highlights off things off the social media pages we've had for our Facebook and Instagram page. Just a few topics we're going to go over. Uh, the one NFL note I got is the Redskins have retired. The name Redskins, the Washington Redskins football team, have retired that name. No new name has come out yet. Um, Dan Snyder, owner of the Redskins, always said for years he'd never change a name, never change a name. Um, he wasn't going to let no politician or media tell him what to do. But he did lead FedEx by saying they're going to pull sponsorship of the stadium. Proves the almighty dollar talks. Dan Snyder listened. Um, the way they're wording it is they're retiring the name Redskins, which is a good idea. Um, they're going to come up with a new name. Haven't heard what it's going to be yet. They want to keep the same color scheme as the Redskins had. So they're not going to go totally different odd name of animal or something like that. It's going to be a different color scheme. It'll be something like that. I don't know if they're going to find something historical with Washington, if they're going to work with the local areas to say, hey, what would be a good historical thing to use here? Dan Snyder could come up with something else on his own. They let the fans write in like the Minnesota Wild when we had our hockey team here. That's what it was. Fans wrote in for names. They had a drawing or contest. That's what it was. Not sure how they're going to do it. Um, I just do know, know that Dan Snyder is going to be raking in big money on this because, like most people, everyone's going to buy up all the old Redskin stuff and they're going to buy the new stuff. So he's kind of getting some double dipping here for a while. So smart thinking on uh, Snyder's part for that financially. Hopefully he could say something like, hey, he should, the, the smart card, anything I sell from Redskins merchandise will go to Charity X. That would be a good thing to do. Um, to, Save face a little bit, especially with all the other issues the Washington football team is having going on right now. Uh, some baseball news. Uh, what season we're going to have, a lot of different places are having their rankings coming out, their predictions, who's going to win the divisions and this and that. Um, power rankings, stuff like that. Uh, one power ranking that I've seen out, they have the Twins listed as second. For power rankings, the Mets at six. Uh, of course, they got the Dodgers first. Twins, Astros, Yankees. A's, Mets, White Sox, Cubs, Red Sox, and Angels. So that's their rankings there. Uh, predictions for winning the divisions by Major League Baseball and Fox from the fans. Um, not a lot of surprises on a lot of these. Some to be a little bit. Uh, they got the Yankees in the East and the Braves in the National League East. Twins and Cubs in the Central Divisions. Astros, Dodgers in the West. I really think the National League Central is up for grabs. I, anyone could win that division just because they're all better than average teams. But that's why I sit here, not in the front office or on a newspaper writing for them for real. Uh, the Mets are still for sale. Um, Steve Cohen, part owner of the Mets, he's got 8% ownership right now, looking to buy the rest of the team. But the big news, um, A-Rod and J-Lo, as we reported before, are interested in buying the team. They have now added some other names and dollars to their group, including NFL Hall of Famer Brian Urlacher, uh, DeMarco Murray and Joe Thomas have also joined Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey, as well as two, t two NBA players, Wizards Bradley Beal and the Nuggets Mason Pumley have also joined the investment group, a bunch of sports all-stars and J-Lo wanting to buy the Mets. So good luck to them on that. Um, Mets don't need big name owners to draw attention to them. So hopefully these guys are doing it for pure investment, not to, Get FaceTime on the media. We'll see how that works. Look at some of the names on there. A lot of them don't need the FaceTime, so they're not that way. 
So hopefully this is a good investment. I think get people behind them, get smart people running the team and get some things going on there. So good luck to that. Be kind of interesting to see how that goes. No one's moving the team anywhere, so let's not worry about that. That's not going to happen. Uh, speaking of the Mets, Jacob DeGrom did suffer back injury or felt tightness earlier this week. Things are going good right now. He's back, um, no pun intended, and should be fine. He's going to pitch some bullpen coming up here, and he should be okay for opening day. If not opening day, opening is part of the season. Uh, Bry- Byron Buxton of the Twins also suffered an ankle injury at scrimmage, but funny, he was back the next day. Never been a Buxton fan with the Twins. Kind of glad the Mets and Twins didn't pull that trigger last year, two years ago. The trade was good. The the one the Mets wanted, the Twins said no, was Syndergaard for Buxton straight up. Twins will look like stars. Yes, Syndergaard's out this year with uh, Tommy John surgery, but with a shortened season. You're losing for only a 60-game season, so kind of the what-ifs are taken out of that is what if we had them all year long? Yeah, what if you had it for 162 games? This is only for a 60 games, so all the what-ifs are going to come up. Who knows about that? Uh, also, uh, Puig, Yasiel Puig has signed with the Braves. I think that could help the Braves in the National League East uh, make it exciting. Could be a fun team to watch, especially with the Universal DH coming in for the season. He's going to be a great add there. Just like Cespedes is for the Mets coming back from injury, just being a DH is going to help a lot there. Uh, the NHL, the Wild have evaluated uh, their coach, if you recall, before the pandemic started, was an interim coach. Um, they did make him officially the head coach for two years, signed to a two-year deal. So congratulations, Coach Everson, on that. Uh, NASCAR coming up Sunday today, 2 p.m. Uh, Texas Motor Speedway is the O'Reilly's Auto Parts 500 on NBCSN. And then Thursday, the 23rd from Kansas Speedway at 6.30 at night. Thursday night race, also on NBCSN, is the Super Start Batteries 400 presented by O'Reilly's Auto Parts. Uh, NASCAR's website does have all their other future dates coming up, so that should be kind of fun to watch there. Uh, earlier this last week, NASCAR did have their Winston Million. Uh, Chase Elliott won that. Congratulations to him on that. Kind of funny thing on that was they have a fan vote come on. Come in, and like we talked about last week, Bubba Wallace did win the fan voting. But when it came to that part of the race, and one of the qualifying races before that, he wrecked his car on like lap two or three of the first race. So with no car to race, he couldn't race it. Therefore, they announced Clint Boyer as the fan vote winner recipient. So he was able to race. So Bubba's plan worked, but backfired on him. Um, College news, I just got a couple things on college news here. The Big Ten, along with other conferences, have said they're going to go for their 2020-2021 season. It's going to be all conference only. Not getting too excited about that. I mean, it is what it is, but seasons are ways from starting yet. That might even change some more. So it's going to be conference only. They might even shorten it to less than just conference only. Maybe just a handful of teams around you. Who knows how that's going to work out. Things are going to change on that. They're saying one thing now, but as we know, this whole pandemic with sports, everything's changing day by day. The other college note locally, the NCAA has given the University of St. Thomas permission Wednesday to jump directly from Division Three to Division One. Usually they want schools to go 3-2-1, as the way we were taught to count. But they're giving them the uh, pass on this to go. Uh, they have been spotted to play like in the Summit League for some other sports. They're going to play 
Pioneer League for football. They'll play Western Collegiate Hockey for the women's hockey. They uh, you see a lot of the small schools making Division One anyway for the Big Ten tournament or for the big tournament, the NCAA tournament, smaller conferences. Not saying St. Thomas is going to make the NCAA tournament next year, but you may see their name in that conference come up every now and then. It'd be kind of fun to watch the little school of six thousand people play the Division One schools. Um, maybe some preseason games with the U of M and them might come up here and there. Kind of fun to see those games finally be played. Division one against division one. Good money draw for St. Thomas on that. Uh, good draw for the other teams. Um, if they want to have St. Thomas coming, cause they got a good following. So it'd be kind of fun to watch that as that goes on. That is what I have for sports. Uh, don't forget. You can follow all these stories on our social media, on our Facebook and Instagram page. This is Dan with an update on amateur baseball, in particularly Class C, the Crow River Valley League. Some good updates this week. I went to the Waconia Lakers against the Cologne Hollanders game this week. Cologne was in the state last year. They came into Waconia, who's I believe they're eight and one right now. Waconia got out to a ten to nothing lead in the second inning, scoring five runs in the first and five runs in the second inning, and thought they had this game pretty much rolled up. They were using Cody Simon on the mound and was going through the lineup fairly easily through four innings, uh, pitching a three hit shutout. Well, Cologne slowly chipped back made it interesting, and uh, no 10-run rule game in this one. Waconia won 11-8. Very interesting night at the ballpark as Cologne, once they got into that Waconia lineup uh, pitching bullpen, uh, that combined with some errors, uh, got got back into the ballgame. So Cologne is 5-4 on the year. They went to state last year. Waconia was ineligible for the state last year, uh, is ranked in some circles in the top five in Class C this year. They are uh, they are eight and one. Now we're only got about a week left of the season. Their only loss is to Champlin, four to nothing, and Champlin's a Class B team. But interestingly enough, this past week, Waconia beat Chaska Cubs two to zero, shutting out. Another Class B team. Remember, Chaska went to the state tournament last year in Class B. And so we've got an interesting uh, interesting ball club here with, with Waconia, a very top-level top team. Some think that actually they should be in Class B. But anyway, they're 8-1 with a week to go in the shortened season because after this, we're going to start playoffs uh, here in a week. So we're moving things along very, very quickly here. The season's already in its final week. Now, rankings in Class C, Jordan Brewers are ranked number one. They won it all last year. They beat Hutchinson last year in the final. Hutchinson is ranked number two. Tied for second with uh, tied for Hutchinson is the Buckman Billy Goats. Waconia Lakers currently ranked number four in Class C. Young America Cardinals currently Five. Rounding out the top ten is Sartell, Cologne, Raymond, Watkins, and Fairmont. 
we'll have some good games here coming up. And like I said, the playoffs will soon be underway here for 2020. And before you know it, state tournament time will be wrapping up Labor Day weekend as always. That's the updates for amateur baseball. This is Dan. Okay, a little special part here, not really with the music and sports history part, but not with the news part. We'll kind of use this as a the buffer in between. July 12th, 1979, the anniversary of Disco Demolition Night. Disco Demolition Night was in uh, Chicago. It was between a doubleheader between the White Sox and the Tigers. Radio City or uh, radio station promotion, Steve Dahl at WLUP 97.9. Their idea was they're going to blow up a crate of disco albums. Um, this was right after the 1977 movie Saturday Night Fever came out. Rock, if disco is dying. Rock and roll is trying to come back. Rock station. Hey, let's have Disco Demolition Night. Before going any further, this was a Mike Veck idea. Mike Veck, who owns the St. Paul Saints. His dad, Bill Veck, owned the White Sox. Mike Veck was in charge of promotions. Veck family, very Good on promotions, uh, the Eddie Goodell thing that his father had done. Um, and being partnering series with the Cubs, Cubs have day games, the White Sox, we've done promotions. Hey, you saw the Cubs lose, come watch us win at night, different things like that. So getting back to the story, Vec had this idea with his promoter. Let's blow up some disco albums. Great idea. Do it between a double header, get a lot of people there. Uh, the White Sox had hoped for a crowd of about 20,000, about 5,000 more than they usually have. In their stadium, when instead around at least 50,000 people showed up at the stadium, which is well more than it can handle. Um, people had had some extracurricular activities outside the stadium beforehand, um, some alcohol and some drugs, as Ursul reported, um, had gone on. So in between, you got a bunch of excited kids coming in, blowing up disco albums on the field. Everybody stormed the field. The field got destroyed. Just not a pretty sight. Um, the White Sox ended up forfeiting the second game, nine to nothing, as a score for a forfeit because um, the, the field was unplayable. Um, just un couldn't be done. Uh, the Major League Baseball frowned on the fact that the Vex destroyed one of their stadiums. That's why it was really hard for Mike Vec to get ownership in a major league team after this. Yes, a lot of his minor league teams have had associations with major league facilities, but he's never had a major league team of their own. Um, he's done great things with the St. Paul Saints. Everybody's been there and seen the stuff they do. Uh, the other minor league teams, AAA teams, A-ball teams, all through up and down the uh, rosters there, he's done stuff. Respected man in the league, front office wise, promotion wise. A lot of teams try to copy what Vec's done. There never will be another Vec as far as promotional ideas. Let's just hope there's not another disco demolition night. As fun as it was, maybe have that on a different day at like a different field that's not used for anything. Or like before you tear down the old stadium, have disco demolition night there if you're going to do it again. But um, good idea. Fans got a little carried away with it. Um. Not ripping on the city of Chicago. I think this would have happened in any market. So I'm not, that's not a rip on the Chicago fans at all. I think at that time, that era, things going on, you could have done it in Cincinnati, Cleveland, Minnesota, Chicago, LA, New York, 
Atlanta. Okay, maybe not Atlanta. Anywhere else, it might have had the exact same results. So July 12th, anniversary of Disco Demolition Night. Um, you can see videos of it on YouTube if you look it up. Pretty incredible situation what they had going on there. To me, looks like it would have been a fun time. It would have been kind of neat to go to see, not knowing it was going to be 50,000 people. If it was just a regular promotion, I probably would have tried to go. It would be kind of cool to see. Too bad 50,000 other people had the same idea. Birthdays and anniversaries, sports and music-wise. Start with the sports end of it. July 13th, 1965, the 36th annual Major League Baseball All-Star Game held at Metropolitan Stadium in Minnesota. The National League won the game 6-5. to Juan Marichal, Giants, is your MVP. 1972, something a little weird. Uh, Los Angeles Rams and Baltimore Colts swap owners. They're saying Rosenblum swap owners. So I doubt you'll ever see that again. So that was kind of an interesting thing right there. Uh, 1993, All-Star Game, MVP, Kirby Puckett and the Minnesota Twins. Second greatest Twins player ever. Birthdays, 1963. Anthony Spud Webb of the NBA. Uh, all five foot seven inches of him won slam dunk competition one year. He was born on this state in 1963 in Dallas, Texas. Uh, American wrestler X Pac, Sean Waltman, one, two, three kid, lightning kid, whatever, Normaz, uh, Minneapolis boy. Sean Waltman, born this day, July 13th, 1972. Sin Cho Chu, a South Korean baseball player and Major League Baseball born. This day, 1982. July 14th, 1974. Billy Martin, first AL manager ejected by an umpire from two games in one day. So way to go, Billy. Congratulations. 1978, umpire Doug Harvey ejects Don Sutton after discovering three scuffed baseballs. Don Sutton, kind of a junk ball pitcher, so that's kind of not real surprising. But um, wasn't just Gaylord Perry, doctor of balls back in 78. 1987, the Rookie of the Year Award was renamed in honor of Jackie Robinson for Major League Baseball. Birthdays, 1898, Albert Benjamin Happy Chandler. Uh, he was the second baseball commissioner. He was also an American politician. He was uh, Happy Chandler, was the second commissioner of baseball from 45 to 51. Uh, he was a U.S. senator from 39 to 45, governor of Kentucky from 35 to 39, then again 55 to 59. Uh, he was iron-willed and honest. He was also known as a player's commissioner because of his broad concern for all phases of the game. Um, Happy Chandler was also known as – he was uh, served as commissioner for Jackie Robinson's historical breaking of the color barrier by the, with the Brooklyn Dodgers in 47. Later that season, Chandler threatened to su suspend Philadelphia Phillies manager Ben Chapman for his racial insensitive taunts towards Robinson. He also supported National League president – Ford Frick's threat to indefinitely suspend Los Angeles, or I'm sorry, St. Louis Cardinals players who had prompted sitting out the game against the Dodgers. So uh, happy he did have some stuff to deal with back then. He dealt with it. He was a player's commissioner, like they said, and uh, seemed to do a fairly good job. 1932, Roosevelt Greer, or Rosie Greer, as some people know him as. Uh, he was an actor, minister, former NFL player. He went to uh, Pennsylvania State University. Was born. Uh, he played at Penn State, like I said. Uh, 1955, he was a third-round pick. Uh, played for the Giants and the Rams between 55 and 66 were his playing years. Rosie Greer uh, did some of the Miller Lite commercials later on, did some acting TV shows. I was 
my generation remembers him from. Uh, was one, uh, one of the better football players, of course, back in his day, one of the bigger men back in the day. July 15th, 1912, American athlete Jim Thorpe is placed in top four in all 10 events at the Olympics to record 8,413 points and to win the decathlon gold medal at the Stockholm Olympics. The medal was stripped in 1913 because he played pro baseball, later reinstated in 1982. 1975, the 46th annual All-Star Baseball game was won by the National League 6-3 at County Stadium in Milwaukee. The All-Star MVPs were Bill Madlock of the Pirates and Johnny Matlock of the New York Mets. 2014, 85th All-Star game, the AL wins 5-3 at Target Field in Minnesota. Birthdays, 1935, Alex Karras, uh, played for the Detroit Lions, was born in Gary, Indiana. Alex Karras, you remember he played George on Webster. He also played Mongo in Blazing Saddles. Again, I believe he was in the middle of like commercials also. One of the big uh, big football players back in the day with the Lions. Um, now, again, guys built like him are quarterback, but he was a played defense lineman, offensive, or defensive line there, so he was a bigger man then. Uh, continuing birthdays, 1955, James George Janos, also known as Jesse Ventura, was born on that date, 1955. Happy birthday to the governor, the body. 1936, on this day, the New York Giants, baseball Giants, were 10 and a half games back in the National League to go into independent. That's the year of the famous shot heard around the world, Bobby Thompson's. The Giants win the pennant, Giants win the pennant. It was on this day at 36. They were 10 and a half games back. Um, they went on to win that game or win that playoff series, two games to one in the playoff. A very historical run by them to, to finish the season. Uh, that game was first ever televised nationally. It was seen by millions of viewers across America and heard on radio by millions more, including thousands of American servicemen serving in Korea listening on the Armed Forces radio. So just the timing couldn't be better. Uh, the Giants went 37 of the last 44 games to make up the ground. Just something the country really needed at the time. A good come-from-behind story. Just a, a great moment in American history, sports history right there. 1985, the 56th annual Major League Baseball All-Star Game. National League wins 6-1 to as it was held at the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Lamar Hoyt to the Padres was MVP of that game. Birthdays, 1887, Shoeless Joe Jackson of the Black Sox was born in Pickens County, South Carolina. Shoeless Joe, born 1887, died in 1951. 1959, birthdays, Gary Anderson, NFL place kicker. Born in South Africa, played for the Steelers, the Eagles, the 49ers, the Vikings, and the Tennessee Titans. Gary Anderson, one of the more accurate NFL kickers in his career. Also born that day, 1966, granted only seven years later, but seemed like so much younger. Chip Lowmiller uh, of the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers also went on to play for the Washington Redskins from 88 to 94, the Saints for a year, and the Rams for a year, but... Uh, Chip Lomiller, happy birthday. 1986, Barry Sanders, one of the better uh, football players, Hall of Famer. Played for the Lions, so never got a ring. But great career, always fun to watch Barry Sanders. Heisman Trophy winner in 88 at Oklahoma State. Ten-time Pro Bowl, got MVP once in 97 for the Lions. Was born on this date in Wichita, Kansas. July 17th, 1914. Giants outfielder Red Murray is knocked unconscious by lightning after catching a fly ball, ending a 21-ending ending game. The Giants won that game 3-1. to one. 
Speaking of 21 ending games, 1918, the longest errorless game as the Cubs beat the Phillies 2-1 to in 21 innings. 1941, the New York Yankees' Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak ends in Cleveland. Also, 1961 on that day, Roger Maris loses a home run. One of his six, He had 61 that year due to a rainout in the fifth inning of a game. 1978, New York Yankees manager Billy Martin and Reggie Jackson fight in the dugout after Jackson refuses to bunt, causing Martin to suspend him. Power hitter not wanting to bunt an argument with his manager. Kind of like David Ortiz and Tom Kelly here in Minnesota. Wow. Sorry, David Ortiz, you're an old Reggie Jackson. 1990, Minnesota Twins become the first team to turn two triple plays at a game and still lost to Boston 1-0. I remember that game. I remember watching that game. A very fun game, a one nothing game. Great game to watch. I love the close games like that. Uh, saw two triple plays. That was very cool. It was in Boston, but uh, they lost. Birthdays, 1921, Tony Stone. Uh, she's an American baseball player, second baseman, first woman to play in the men's and Negro League, was born in St. Paul. She died in 1996. Uh, she was the first of three women to play professional baseball as part of the Negro Leagues. Uh, baseball player from her early childhood, she went off to play for the San Francisco Sea Lions in the West Coast Negro Baseball League in 45. In 53, she was traded to the Indianapolis Clowns of the Negro League, and in 54, she signed with the Kansas City Monarchs. Raised in St. Paul's Rondo neighborhood, Stone's playing career began when she was 10 years old. She joined the St. Peter Kelver Catholic Church boys baseball team. Whew, that's a lot. <laughs> in the Catholic Midget League, which is similar to today's Little League. She moved on to play for the Girls Hylix Softball Club in St. Paul. At the age of 15, Stone turned in. Stone ter- played for the St. Paul Giants, a men's semi-professional team. Stone, again, played for Al Love's American Legion Championship team. So back then, 1921, Tony Stone, um, great baseball career, it sounds like there. Uh, not getting into the whole color thing, but women playing men's sports, even back then in uh, the Negro Leagues, back in the 40s and 50s. Great to see that then. Birthday is 1960. Speaking of kickers who can't make the big kick when it counts, Scott Norwood of the Buffalo Bills, Super Bowl 25 GOAT, uh, helped the Giants win. I won money in that game. Thank you, Scotty Norwood. Uh, Buffalo Bills kicker, great kicker, just I shouldn't say choke again. He's out there doing it. I'm sitting here on my couch doing a podcast. Um, born, Alexandria, Virginia. July 18th, 1962. The Twins' Bob Allison and Harmon Killebrew hit grand slams in the first inning in the club record 11-run first, 11 first inning. The Twins did... Going to win that game 14-3 against the Cleveland Indians. 1999, New York Yankees' David Cohn becomes the 15th pitcher to throw a perfect game in a 6-0 win over Montreal. Birthdays, 1940, Joe Torre, uh, baseball outfielder manager for the Braves, Mets, uh, 71 MVP, uh, manager for the Cardinals, and the Yankees, of course, for the years. I believe he managed the Braves for a little bit also. Uh, born 1940, 1972. Anthony Penny Hardaway of the Orlando Magic and the Olympic 96 Olympic gold medal team, born in Memphis, Tennessee, where he's now currently the men's head coach, basketball coach at the uh, University of Memphis. July 19th, 1960, as mentioned earlier about Juan Marshall, 1960, his birthday, San Francisco Giants Juan Marshall debuts. A one-hitter against the Phillies. No rookie pressure there. 
1975 New York Yankees catcher Thurman Munson's first inning single and RBI are nullified because pine tar in his bat exceeds the 18-inch limit. Twins went on to win that game 2-1. to one. Birthdays, 1958. Wrestler Robert Gibson of the Rock and Roll Express has a birthday. 1963, Mark Carrion of the New York Mets and Giants is born in Chicago, Illinois. 1977, Minnetonka High School graduate Jeremy Borash, also a member now of WWE, but was a big part of uh, TNA when they got started wrestling as an announcer. Jeremy Borash, birthday in 1977. Happy birthday, Jeremy. Now on to the music segment of history and birthdays. July 13th, 1985, Live Aid takes place in both Philadelphia and London to raise money for hunger in Africa. I can name names who was there. You were a musician in 1985. You played. Uh, you can watch highlights on YouTube all day of all the different performers there. Uh, the Queen performance is one of the more popular ones to look at. Madonna was to start become big. Hers is one of the big popular ones to look at. Uh, some of the names mentioned here that I saw were the Beach Boys, the Four Tops, Paul McCartney, Tina Turner, Elton John, David Bowie, the Who, uh, like I said, Queen, Eric Clapton, Bob Dylan. Uh, it was held in Philadelphia and London, and I know Phil Collins played both stadiums. He played one, flew across the Atlantic to play the other, so good for him. Uh, also on that day, David Bowie and Mick Jagger debuted their video for Dancing in the Streets at Live Aid. Bowie also performs Heroes at the Wembley Stadium show. Birthday of 1954, country singer Louise Mandrell was born Thelma Louise Mandrell in Corpus Christi, Texas. She is the younger singer, of course, of Barbara Mandrell. 1942, Stephen Blod, former or drummer of the Jay Giles Band, is born in Boston, Massachusetts. July 14th, 1980, the combustible couple of Glenn Campbell and Tanya Tucker opened the Republican National Convention in Detroit with a duet of the national anthem. Campbell later admits that they were higher than the notes they were singing. Other performers at that convention include Vicki Lawrence, Donnie Marie Osmond, and Pat Boone. Yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a bill to go see. 1967, The Who launched their first large-scale American tour, playing the first of 55 dates with Herman's Hermits. If you know Herman's Hermits and you know The Who, not two bands that should have been touring together. July 15th, 1986, Run DMC's Raising Hell becomes the first rap album certified platinum. 2018, November Rain by Guns N' Roses becomes the first 90s video to pass the 1 billion views on YouTube. The closest 90s video is Zombie by the Cranberries at 739 million. Birthday is 1956, Joe Satriani is born in Westbury, New York. Joe Satriani, part of the uh, Generation Axe, just a great guitarist. If you got a chance to listen to Satriani, please do. Very, very talented man. July 16th, 2008. Billy Joel bids goodbye to Flushing, New York's iconic Shea Stadium with the first of two star-studded concerts. Sadly, this is the highlight of the Mets season. I know. I, I don't. 1976. After six years, Kenny Loggins and Jim Messina decide to split up their performance partnership. With their three big hits of Thinking of You, My Music, and Your Mama Don't Dance. 1970, Sean Cassidy's Do Run Run hits number one, along with Barry Manilow's Live is the number one album. Yeah. Times have changed from 77 to now. Birthday is 1952. Stuart Copeland is born in Alexandria, Virginia. He spends his youth in Lebanon and then England after moving back to the States to attend college. 
He returns to the UK to play drums for Covered Air and then a little group called The Police. He was a drummer for them. Stuart Copeland. July 17th, 1993. After two and a half years, Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion tour comes to an end and a show in Buenos Aires. This is the last time Axel and Slash share a stage until the 2016 Guns N' Roses Reconciliation. 1970, the guests who perform at the White House for President Richard Nixon and his royal guests, Prince Charles and Princess Anne. They do not perform their hit American Woman as they are asked to refrain from performing it as a matter of taste. 1967, another odd concert series. Jimi Hendrix plays his eighth and final show opening up for The Monkees, which understandably does not go well as The Monkees fans were not, were wanted nothing to do with Jimi Hendrix. Birthdays. 1939, Spencer Davis of the Spencer Davis Group is born in Wales. 2018, or July 18. July 18, 1991. The very first Lollapalooza Music Festival was held in select locations throughout North America. Bands included Jane's Addiction, uh, Nine Inch Nails, Living Color, Ice-T, The Butthole Surfers, Rollins Band, Velvet Femmes, and Fishbone. 2008, Billy Joel plays the last play at Shea Stadium, or at Shea Concert. The final show before Shea Stadium is closed down. Joel is joined on stage by Paul McCartney, Garth Brooks, Stephen Tyler of Aerosmith, and the Who's Roger Daltrey. 1992, Iggy Breaky Heart, the number one country music hit for Billy Ray Cyrus, peaks at number four on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. 1978, Def Leppard make their live debut performing to an audience of 150 at Westfield School in Sheffield, England. Birthdays, 1962, rock drummer Jack Irons of Pearl Jam and the Red Hat Chili Peppers was born in L.A. 1954, country, blue, country and bluegrass singer Ricky Skaggs, born in Kentucky. July 19, 1986, Genesis had their first and only number one hit with Invisible Touch, which is really weird. They have all the songs they had. That's the only one that went to number one. 2014, Nine Inch Nails and Soundgarden launch a co-headlining tuner tour at Planet Hollywood in Las Vegas, Nevada. 2013, Pearl Jam plays a sold-out show at Wrigley Field in Chicago, the first American stop touring behind behind their 10th studio album, Lightning Bolt. Seven songs in, the show is delayed by Lightning. After midnight, the band returns to the stage and plays a a rousing set as the place is still packed. 20, er, 1985, Joan Jett calls up-and-coming heavyweight boxer Mike Tyson before his fight with Larry Sims, which Tyson wins handily. The superstitious Tyson insists on getting a call from Jett before every fight, which he does until breaking through tradition for his bout against Buster Douglas February 11th, 1990, his first loss. 1977, Steve Martin appears on The Muppet Show to perform dueling banjos and makes balloon animals. Steve Martin on The Muppet Show. I, I talked about The Muppet Show last week with Charlie Daniels. Just the 70s and The Muppet Show always had kind of something for the older brother or mom and dad, kind of like that. That was kind of neat. Uh, birthdays, 1954. Alan Collins, guitarist of Leonard Skinner, is born Larkin Alan Collins Jr. in Jacksonville, Florida. 1974, Bernie London, guitarist 
vocalist for the Eagles, was born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Also 1947, guitarist Brian May, who if you ask Brian May, he's the best guitarist in the world. If you ask me, Brian May in the top 10, is born in Hampton, Middlesex, England in 1947. That wraps it up for sports and songs, birthdays, and this week in history. Well, this is Dan with the Album of the Week review. Today's album is Saliva. Every Six Seconds, released in 2001, March 27th, 2001. The album is 50 minutes long and 54 seconds, released on Island Records. Every Six Seconds is the second studio album by American rock band Saliva. It's their first under Island Records. This album went platinum, certified platinum. The title meaning, the meaning of the title. Josie Scott, the lead singer, revealed the meaning of the album's title in an interview with Therese McKeon from the website ShoutWeb. He says, everything we do is for a reason. And I felt like this was an opportunity to do what we wanted to do right down to the album cover and the album title. It was another opportunity to be creative and invoke thought. We thought every six seconds said a lot about the world today and where our society is pretty much sitting. I got it from a news documentary I was watching that was talking about robbery, car theft, murder, and other subjects. It finally got around to sex, of course. And they said men think about sex every six seconds. I thought that was really interesting, and it kind of stuck in my mind. I think it says it all for me and for the record. It's dealing with everything from the healing condition to anger, love, sex, spirituality, and the disillusionment with society. I think the title is befitting. This is a good album. came out in 2001. They released three singles, Your Disease, Click, Click, Boom, and After Me. Although it's listed as alternative metal, it's also listed as new metal and rap metal. Now, I personally wasn't a big fan when this first came out, but boy, this, this album grew on me. I ended up liking the band, band very much. This entire album is very good. It's very heavy, as the clip, uh, the clip we played here at the beginning of the show. It does have a rap feel to it, though. So if that's not, uh, if you're not into that, it may be a turnoff. But it's very interesting. They were they were branching out. There were wasn't any other types of bands like this. The band formed in 1996. They appeared in the National Academy of Recording Arts and Science Grammy Showcase. They reached the finals in New York City. So they're on really a, a musical show, almost like an American Idol type of a thing. They reached the finals, and this was in 1996. They released their first self-titled album on their own. Then they got signed to a major record deal. 
Here's the track listings. Song one, Superstar. And a lot of these, by the way, you may not be familiar with the band or the album, but I'm sure everyone's heard at least several of these songs on the radio, in movies, or on game shows. Uh, I'm sorry, video games. A lot of these songs became very, very popular. Number two song, Must Have Been Wrong. Number three, Click, Click, Boom. Four, Your Disease. Your Disease was nominated for a Grammy. Song five is After Me. Song six, Greater Than, Less Than. Song seven, Lackluster. Song eight, Fault Line. Song nine, Beg. Song 10, Hollywood. Song 11, Dope Ride. And song 12, the final track is My Goodbyes. This band is based in Memphis, and a couple of the song's lyrics mention both Memphis and M-Town. So coming out of Tennessee, uh, very interesting also for a rock heavy metal band to come out of Tennessee. Here's the personnel. Josie Scott, lead vocals. Wayne Swinney, guitar. Dave Novotny, bass. Chris Diabaldo, guitar. And Paul Crosby on the drums. It was interesting. I was able to meet the band in November of 2002. They appeared for a show at the Quest Nightclub in downtown Minneapolis. I went to the show with the buddy. Afterwards, st stuck around by the bar, had a couple of beers, and ended up meeting Josie Scott and Christy Abaldo at the Quest nightclub. And uh, talked to those guys for about 20 minutes. So that was very interesting as well. Now here's some of the interesting notes about this album. The song Superstar was featured in the 2002 video video game called Legends of Wrestling version 2. The songs Superstar and Click Click Boom are both featured in the movie The Fast and the Furious, but are not featured on the official soundtrack. Instead, a music video for Click Click Boom is featured in the special edition DVD. However, the additional soundtrack More Fast and the Furious does contain these two tracks. Also, the song Superstar was used as one theme song at the WWE WrestleMania 18, where the band performed the song live. Click Click Boom was also used as a theme song for the WWF No Mercy pay-per-view event in October 2001 and can be found on the Talladega Nights movie soundtrack. Superstar was also used in the Dragon Ball Z TV special Bardock. The father of Goku. Your Disease song was featured in the movie Dracula 2000. It's also, you can be found there on the movie soundtrack. In 2001, Saliva created a song for the Spy Hunter video game. Although the song is not listed on the CD, the video for Your Disease was put in the game as an unlockable. Click, click, click. Click Boom was used on the soundtrack for the 2002 video game BMX, XXX, XXX, and the 2001 video game Project Gotham Racing. 
Superstar and the song Click Click Boom was also used on the soundtrack for the video game MX 2002 featuring Ricky Carmichael. The song After Me was featured in the video game The Thing. The song Your Disease is on the PlayStation 2 game Aggressive Inline soundtrack and the 2003 video game Downhill Domination. The song Superstar was featured in the 2002 video game Tiger Woods PGA Tour 2003. In 2009, Click Click Boom was used in the video game UFC 2009 Undisputed. Click Click Boom was also recently used in the 2011 video game Operation Flashpoint Red River. It can be heard playing when riding in the back of a Humvee at the end of one of the missions. And finally, the song Dope Ride is used. Dope Ride is used as the theme song for the Monster Jam Monster Truck Maximum Destruction. So like I said, a lot of these songs, whether you know them or not, or whether you recognize them from being from saliva or not, are, are in a, just a boatload of video games and movies, soundtrack, and, and otherwise. Now this band, Josie Scott left the band, I think it was nine years ago. They've got another lead singer. This band is still around and still touring. Now Josie Scott, the lead singer, as heavy metal as he was, and how wild as he was, <laughs> actually left the band to form a Christian solo career for Christian music. And there was some talk this year before the whole COVID came up that this band was going to reunite, that Josie Scott was going to come back for a 2020 reunion tour. And so that was also in the works. Like I said earlier, the song is 51 minutes long. It's got, got some good tunes. And it is their second studio album. I do recommend getting it, listening to it. It's very, very interesting. Anyway, that's the album review, Saliva Every Six Seconds.